On today's pod, Valeria speaks with Kritika, a first-year occupational health and safety student at Ryerson. They touch on planning their future career paths, the importance of empathy, and women in STEM throughout their conversation. So please lean in and enjoy this conversation with Valeria and Kritika. Hi guys, welcome back to the pod. So today I'm with a fellow Ryerson student. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi everyone, my name is Kritika and I'm a Ryerson student. I'm an occupational health and safety first year student to be precise. Oh, perfect. Okay, so that answers part of our first question, which is what would be your general role at Ryerson? Uh, Yeah, no. uh, So like I said before, I'm actually a first year occupational health and safety student. I'm in numerous STEM based clubs here at Ryerson, as well as the occupational health and safety representative on the RCSS, which is a committee, a steering committee made by students to represent the community service faculty Uh, at Ryerson. I'm also part, I know Valeria because we are both part of Science Plus, which is a club that advocates for minorities in the STEM field. And and I'm the secretary on there. And I'm also the student liaison for Ryerson Sci Exchange um, Soapbox Science event, which is an event that's held in fall of every year, which promotes women-identified scientists in the STEM field. And that's just a little bit about me. And I'm hoping that in the near future, I'll be able to expand my roots from just not only STEM fields or STEM clubs at Ryerson. I actually didn't know that you were first year. You seemed much more mature to me. So that's a surprise. I honestly thought you were my age. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's also because... um, since I'm the oldest in my family, everything is like, I'm usually the oldest in my family, but the youngest in a lot of like social atmospheres, like even work and stuff. So mm-hmm. I get that often, but I'm very immature or like playful at heart. I would say like, uh, I love very kiddish or childish, like, you know, entertainment sh- from shows to like games. I love being ch- like a child at heart. Mm-hmm. No, it, it's kind of just not taking yourself too seriously, which is great. I really enjoy that. Okay, so next question is, tell me about how you got here. Maybe your hometown, your schooling, any transitions that you had in order to get to Ryerson? Yeah, so um, a little bit about me. I grew, grew up in the same neighborhood or community since I was young. It's been in the family actually for over 20 years. I live in Scarborough. Um, my community is actually very predominantly immigrant first-generation students, um, first-generation Canadian and first-generation students. We grew up together. Um, the community is basically students my age. We grew up together and we're now currently seeing the new generations of the younger kids growing up as well predominantly East Asian, South Asian. Um, But yeah, no, went to the local high school, local elementary school, local middle school. Um, I chose Ryerson. I think the story behind why I'm a Ryerson student is um, quite, um, I would say different than what most graduate students or grade 12 students think about. I know it's the time of year again where everybody's applying. So if there are any grade 12 students listening, I would say as a Canadian university or a post-secondary student, there are 
no wrong decisions university-wise. I know there is always that Ivy League standard or, you know. Or like go to Europe to your die. Yeah, like, you know, I think it's real. I'm not going to lie. I love watching those college reaction videos with these American universities and seeing Mm -hmm. all the students cry and everything. It's just pure, like, I'm a very happy crier and I love watching those videos because it really goes to show where you put your effort, you can get outcomes, but that's not always necessarily the case. And I want to highlight that. But I think as a Canadian student, and if you're a Canadian grade 12 student who is looking to pursue pro-secondary, there are limited wrong choices. And I think when you choose a wrong choice, it's personally personal interest or personal like, you know, gains or personal like situations. And I chose Ryerson honestly, because where I go, three fourths of the graduating class before me actually went to UFT Scarborough campus. So it's great because you get the sense of community from high school and they follow you through to university, which is amazing. But I also felt that it was time for a little change. I didn't want to, I wanted to expand my roots. You know, right now as a university student, you you always hear your network, your net worth is your network. And I thought, hey, I grew up with these kids. Like I said, I grew up in the same community. I grew up with these kids for almost 18 years of my life. And as much as I love them, I think I would love to see downtown Toronto, as well as I often felt like a tourist in my own city. I didn't go downtown often, just on school trips. And being able to go downtown every day was honestly quite a culture shock for me because seeing how fast everything is was amazing. But I also, I held two jobs throughout high school. Like when I was able to work, I started working just for personal interest and i knew if i did go far my positions would be filled and it would be very difficult for myself to get back into it especially because they're seniority based and all these seniorities hours that i built up for whatever position i was currently working when i left i knew that i wouldn't be able to bank in as many hours so i knew that and my coworkers are truly my dearest friends. So I didn't leave, go far. And so our local universities in Toronto are UFT, which wasn't really a question for me. I knew that I wasn't interested in UFT, no matter which campus. It wasn't just appealing for me. Like um, I've heard things. I've also heard how difficult it is. And I knew mental health wise, like may not be the best decision for myself. So UFT was out of the question. York, I did apply. I was actually applying um, in grade 12, hopefully to pursue teaching. So York was actually my one of my number ones. Oh yeah, because they have the concurrent program, don't they? Yeah, for sure. So the concurrent program, my we get to choose three initially. So all of my choices were concurrent program teaching. And after actually a quick, like literally a five minute talk with one of my librarians, it, I came to realize that also my part-time job was teaching and 
as a student, you're always in school. So what do you see? Who do you see often? Teachers. So I didn't know if teaching was the only thing I saw so consistently. And it was the reason why I wanted to pursue teaching. Like it was the only thing I knew. So why not pursue it? So I was like, hmm, teaching. And then after a while, I was like, what if there are so many more options? I think as a student, there you need to realize that all these jobs that we always see there are jobs behind these jobs like there are teachers there are principals but there are people who do this and that and that and you may not necessarily see these people so it's often easy to forget that these positions are still available so i i decided hey you know what i'll go to ryerson i'll give it a crack at it and worst comes to worst and i think everybody should know this that it's not the end of the world or your post-secondary goals and dreams if you decide to switch your major or your switch your school take a break and realize what you really want to follow because i think the current cognition is that once you're grade 12 to university once you make that choice it's basically your life and then you figure it out like that is mm -hmm. set in stone it's with a you. life commitment and you it's have to a life commitment. What you're going to do for the next 40 years which I think a lot of people are really nervous, but it's just not the case. Yeah, no, I think people also think that if you switch after post-secondary or after choosing something, it's like you are quitting or failing, which is really not the it, like not it. And I think these grade 12 students, it's like embedded into us that you got to make the right decision. If you don't make the right decision, were you even like thinking about this hardcore important life decision in the beginning, in the first place? Mm -hmm. And I think tuition is money and you want to make sure that you're using your money wisely. It's tight, but again, I, I don't think that it's a lifelong commitment and you could always change your career path at some point or another, or even throughout your undergrad. It's, it's really fluid and dynamic. And I think that people get really stuck in their identities of who they've categorize them as themselves to be and they can't let go of that narrative and so then it, they get really stuck and they feel like they're a failure if they depart from that yeah yeah no 100 percent. i think um the big thing is and the big word throughout your undergrad or your education career or just life in general is being proactive and sometimes proactivity means accepting that this may not truly be your passion or truly be working for yourself and making that change yeah I mean I was gonna go into nursing before this I got into nursing at Ryerson uh, in grade 12 and then I switched my mind last minute and went into biology because I noticed that I was trying to basically cut myself short and I wanted to go into medicine and I was just trying to take the shorter way to that but then I realized it wasn't what I really wanted to do and I was really just selling myself short in that regard and so yeah I, I changed my mind the month before applications were due and I actually sent my application in pretty late but I got in uh, and I'm here now, three years later, so. Yeah, no, it goes to show you, like, um, mm -hmm. a decision can be always changed, and we're fortunate enough as Canadian students to be able to make the change, but obviously different circumstances 
per student make changes more difficult, which I totally understand and agree with. Oh yeah, definitely. I think um, I just really agreed with what you were saying about being pro proactive and making sure that what you're choosing is what you actually enjoy, because especially in science, I mm -hmm. see so many people, or I saw so many people in first year that wanted to go into this for either money and they didn't really like it or because of their parents. And it made me really sad, to be honest, <laughs> because uh, it just doesn't seem like a good way to live your life. And in my head, I wouldn't say it to them out loud because it would probably offend them, but like, it seemed like they were just gonna make themselves hate their own lives because with these types of programs, it's so all encompassing and so much work at times that if you really don't like it, it's gonna be so much more hard for you. Yeah, no, I agree. Like a lot of STEM based or like even science fields are very academically rigorous as well as you I don't think people who are like there are I feel like I've seen people who pursue science because of standards set by their parents or just the fear of disappointment or the stability they think that science offers but mm -hmm. I think people need to realize or hopefully throughout their careers their academic plans and stuff realize that once reaching a science or a STEM field career, it's not the end of it. There's a lot of emotional, I think, background to a lot of STEM-based careers that you don't obviously get to see through like entertainment fields or just like fields in general, like doctors and nurses, especially I hope, like hopefully this pandemic has taught people who are pursuing it for just whatever gains or not true passion. Um, the emotional drainage a lot of science-based careers can result in an individual. We see nurses who can't go home or doctors or other frontline workers um, putting their lives at risk. And so hopefully this pandemic shows people or shows undergrad students who aren't pursuing it for interest because of interest that certain professions that they wish to be in the near future, there are a lot of emotional support or emotional needs that come with them. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes for a lot of different professions as well. But bottom line is just pick what you like, because if not, then you're probably gonna end up with a life 40 years down the line that you don't like. Yeah, yeah, no, it goes with every profession. And I think when you're interested in the profession, you're open to taking the most like the baggage that comes with the profession to say the least mm -hmm. it's almost um it's almost like being a science student like you're kind of you get used to not the stress but just the workload i don't know like by this point i'm kind of just used to it it becomes your new normal there's different workloads and different schedules i think and i totally agree with you like Sometimes, like as a science major, you have to be on top of it. And I think after a while, like being on top of it, it's like, oh, second nature. Mm. Also, like, I could never be an artist because while I love a lot of forms of art, I just think that being paid to do it would take all of my enjoyment out of anything. So I don't do it as a career because I'd just rather not, I'd rather not ruin it for myself, you know?
No, no, no. That's a good way of like thinking it. Cause I would say the same thing. I really do enjoy art and I picked it up even more so during the quarantine, but yeah, no, I don't think I could be able to passionately pursue it if, I have to be doing it, especially a lot of artists are being paid commission to do something for someone else's vision, which is also really great, like, which is great, but I don't think I would be able to pursue art if I would have to execute something because I'm getting paid to do someone else's, you know, hope or dream or whatever they want to see. Okay, I think uh, we could move on to our next topic, which is basically what did you want to be as a kid? And were you a good student? And what do you want to be now? Oh, yeah, no. Uh, so like I said before, it, I always wanted to be a teacher. I think I've seen the impact good teachers and not so great teachers can do to a student. And because I've been at both ends of enjoying class and not enjoying class, I think teaching was something that I really wanted to pursue. Um, my part-time jobs were also teaching in various different fields like science to just sports to dance to piano. So I got to, you know, be in the field that I truly enjoy. I was, a I would like to say I was a relatively good student. Um, I was I graduated with honors and distinction throughout my high school. And I what I was was uh, I was those, if you watch those movies, I was the student who pursued almost everything in elementary, middle school, and high school. I was this athlete. I was in multiple varsity sports team, pursued um, competitive swimming all throughout my high school career. And I was the one who read a lot. I loved reading. I was in the library at least three fourths of the week. And I was student council. I was student council president in my middle school and in my high school career. So um, I so was- jack of all trades, basically. Yeah, just be, I would say though, before, if you said Critica, they would be like, she could either be in the pool, she could be in the office doing announcements, she could be in the library, or she can be in the SAC office, or she could be in class. There was like multiple places that I could be. And I thought that was it. Like, you know, I was stacking, I was living the life. I was the golden girl, like, you know, but I think once I got into university, I was like, I am not doing any of this. <laughs> I'm not, no more councils, no more clubs, like maybe one club, you know, but none of these extracurriculars anymore. I have tired myself out and like half of these weren't even passionate, you know, things like no more. <laughs> Mm -hmm. and look at you now <laughs> but, and, then, um, and then look at me now I think I I couldn't get myself out of it because as much as some things weren't like passion I I couldn't quit whatever I put my foot in even if it became less passionate or less enjoyable I couldn't quit like quitting yeah, was not my vocabulary yeah but look at me now and I am enjoying everything that I'm in and I hope to continue enjoying everything I'm in <laughs> No, but that's good that you recognized like, okay, I need to quit these certain things. I don't feel like doing these anymore. Cause again, like you didn't feel any passion towards them. So it's just. Yeah, no, time. I, yeah, exactly. And that goes back with the proactivity. It's you have to be proactive and quitting is not the end of the world. 
Like quitting isn't specifically failing most of the time. Yes. Yes. I love that you said that. And I could go on and on. I could make my own TED talk about quitting. And I actually did in grade 12. But quitting is okay. It does not negate failure. Okay. Everyone, it does not mean that you failed because you quit. It can rather mean you are being proactive or it is meaning that you you have a backup plan or you are figuring out a backup plan and it is yeah. okay my friends <laughs> you're just letting go of things that don't serve you that don't contribute to your life anymore or you're freeing up time to either take care of yourself or to do something else that you're going to enjoy more no exactly it's just that um but i think the only thing you got to think of before quitting is did you exert the amount of energy you wanted for this subject or field before you realize that you don't want to pursue or, or not do it anymore because I like think you gave it a fair shot. Yeah, like you gave it a fair shot. That's exactly what I would say. Because if you quit it and then you may realize halfway through, hey, if I put in as much effort that I wish I did, I don't think I would be here right now. And I think you don't want to think what ifs after you finish quitting or finish dropping something because that's just a horrible feeling because then you're gonna your mind's just gonna go all over the place so yeah and now um profession wise where where do I see myself I I don't know but I do want to I think my greatest fear or one of my biggest one of my fears is not being able to pursue something in my field of study because mm-hmm. I do see a lot of graduate students. Unfortunately, they pursue something and they put in hard work for four or five or X amount of years and their profession is completely like not related to what they studied. And as much as, but I totally understand that because living in Toronto or living wherever it is, is very economically difficult and as a student as someone who wants to make ends meet so I understand that but I get quite sad when I see or when I think about it it's like you went you did four years of this and you were truly passionate and it's the job market's not easy and you had to either you know suffice for this unrelated profession so my hope is I can get a profession in my field and it even if the starting profession when I graduate, I'm hoping that if I decide to pursue education after undergrad, or if I was able to work at whatever company or place for an X amount of time that I can move up in my field. I think that's a valid fear that most of us have in undergrad, because obviously when you're putting so much time and energy and money into something, you want it to work out. You don't want to end up doing something unrelated uh, or worst of all, something that you really don't enjoy. So I, I completely understand that. I think that for me, that's just the fear of not getting into med school because that's what I've wanted to do since I was maybe eight, right? So it's it's a lot, but I honestly, it's just kind of letting go. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And I think the only thing that you can really change is just your view your perspective your outlook on what does end up happening try your best and if it doesn't work out then maybe it just wasn't meant for you or maybe like sometimes I 
realize in hindsight that certain things happened. And then I'm like, oh, that's that I hated that at the time. But now I realize that it was kind of good for me. Do you get what I mean? No, no, no. I totally get what you mean, because I think there to an extent we got to live in the moment. I think if like if you don't get to really enjoy what's happening in the moment, then, you know, you miss out. But I also think stuff happens and then you may not like it or truly love it at that time and then give it either a couple of hours minutes days years whatever you may realize hey you know if this didn't happen this wouldn't have happened and this wouldn't have happened or you know there's consequences for everyone's actions but there are also positive outcomes positive outcomes for people's actions so you gotta go with the flow you know think about stuff act after you think and yeah no i agree with what you're saying and i think it's also very difficult a lot of stem science students have med school as their dream or like post sec post post secondary or grad school Mm -hmm. as their dreams and it is it can be heart-wrenching especially when you're first applying, not getting in or not getting whatever you really wanted. And then it kind of feels like a setback. And yeah, no, I get, I totally understand. Yeah. Honestly, I'm not too worried about um, not getting in the first year, not because I'm sure I'm going to get in, but because I have a backup plan. And I'm honestly, the average amount of times it takes for people to get into med school is after two applications. So I'm not expecting the world for myself. I'm just gonna try to meet the requirements. If I get in, I get in. If I don't, I don't. And if not, I was really looking into teaching as well because I became an SLG leader this past semester and it's weird how much I liked it. I, 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 it was the first job that I actually looked forward to. So I was thinking, I hate children. So I was thinking maybe a prof <laughs> because I don't actually, no, I love children, but I just, I don't want to take care of them, you know, at least not now, Uh, not if it's not my own responsibility and my own child or sibling. No, no, I totally get you. But yeah, no, I think teaching is a great field, especially um, being able to converse with you like this. uh, I really get that social vibe. And I think a lot of social individuals love going into teaching because you're you always have to socialize with other individuals. And like you said, with med school, I think a lot of med school applicants who consistently apply and reapply are very resilient. And I think that's what makes them great med students. And having a backup plan is really, really important because, you know, life sometimes doesn't go the way you plan. And that's, we often hear that it's almost embedded into our brain at this point. But um, yeah, backup plan is very important. And I think the way you're going at it is an excellent representation of how students should go about it. Have a backup plan that's sound, that's feasible, that's doable, not too strenuous, uh, or not too completely different from what you, what plan A was. So it's not like you're back at the drawing board and mm-hmm. pursuing posts like extracurriculars, like this lovely podcast, I think is a great way for students to fill their time. Also, you know, Pat, had their um, resumes or their applicant applications network you know this is amazing like I I think it's amazing I think a podcast is 
excellent, especially during these times. So um, mm -hmm. kudos to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's really sweet, actually. And I, uh, yeah, honestly, this podcast has been helping me out a lot just in terms of being able to still connect with people, which is great. I wanted to, again, move on to the next question, because I think I've beat this to death a little bit by now. But I wanted to ask you about, about your experience as a woman in STEM. You did mention to me before that that was a topic that you were quite passionate about. Yes, women in STEM. I can't. It's, it's a broad question. You can. It is a broad question. But I think we could totally. I all these topics I want to say are stuff that I could talk hours and hours about, and I, I I'm truly. Uh, truly passionate about these stuff. But women in STEM, um, like I said, I was part of OZ, which is Association Undergrad Women in STEM at Ryerson, which mm -hmm. represents women or female identified students in the STEM field at Ryerson. And on behalf of that club, I was actually chosen to be the student liaison for Ryerson Sci Exchange team and work alongside Ryerson Sci Exchange team to conduct their soapbox science event and which is an event that represents uh, women in the stem field and so i think as a female identified minority in the stem field it's really important to have representation and this may be when you go to the hospital seeing female identified doctor um checking up on you or a nurse uh, an individual of color checking up on you and just consistently seeing it. So it's not a surprise. It's not like, wow, look at that. It's more so, yeah, cool, nice. This is the usual. And I would love that to be embedded into how we as STEM students go throughout our field. It's not like a push, but rather second, second nature. And I also think what I would like to say is that in my class, I see a lot of female identified students, but I do know from reading about articles and papers is that people pursuing post-grad, there are less female students in certain STEM fields. And the goal is as a student, as a female representative in these STEM fields is to have more students especially undergrad students who want to pursue post-grad, female identified students who want to pursue post-grad to be able to show them that there are options and they don't need to stunt whatever they wish to have, like in family wise or whatever. People are doing it, women are doing it and it's totally possible. I think it's just a matter of being able to see yourself in those positions. And if your entire life you don't, see anybody that you identify with in those positions, then you start to have ingrained in you that that isn't for you. No, that's exactly it. And I think also what I said, like what was mentioned before is that it's important to see these people and it's not like a once in a blue moon get to see it because I feel like okay, you were six or whatever, you were 14, you got to get your tonsils removed, you get to see this female minority surgeon. And that's amazing. And obviously, maybe this one time really, really shapes you 
for your post-secondary career and dreams and goals, but maybe not. Maybe it was, wow, this is amazing. She's a female identified colored woman in as a surgeon, but it may not, it may be amazing for the first few months where you really feel you eat this jello and everything. But then after that, you forget about it. And then the next time you go, you see someone who you don't identify with or as much as. And so then, you know, it's difficult to keep that strain or that thought going, oh, this could be me. This, there is a possibility and stuff, right? And we also hear how difficult some individuals have it or some individuals of minorities groups have it to be wherever they are right now. The like mountains they need to climb and all the strenuous things that they need to do. And sometimes it could be, it could be fuel to the fire and passion some students have, but it could also dissuade students to be like, oh, this one person out of 500 people that I see that represents me had to go through towers of multiple no's and all this. And I don't know if I have it in me to do whatever they did. I don't know if I'm either strong enough, resilient enough, or whatever, passionate enough to pursue it. And I'm hoping, and that's why I'm in such like such groups is that I'm hoping to be able to show people, hey, you are resilient. Hey, you know, it's not that one in 500 that you think it is. Actually, there's a hundred out of the 500 are people you may identify with. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I don't even, my brain is a little bit scrambled right now, to be honest with you. Like today, I'm just not thinking super straight. So usually I'd have a more intelligent answer. <laughs> no, but, no. Um, I think it's fair. <laughs> we're in break. I think it's fair, and it's good. No critical that thinking. Your brain is all over the place. Like we deserve Definitely it. Not. Yeah, no, I have not had a critical thought in a good week or so, which is great. I'm I'm happy with it. Uh, you also mentioned earlier that you were a big advocate for public health, which is obvious considering your major, but. Do you want to speak to that more and why you're so interested in it? Yeah, so I think public health is very important. Uh, <laughs> that's my big uh, thesis, like my argument. Um, I think people now realize if they didn't as much learn that public health is important because of the pandemic. We see I the flaws. Definitely yeah. highlighted it uh, yeah. just a little bit, you know? <laughs> just a little bit. Uh, 2020 really showed the importance of public health and the flaws in public health systems in federal um, places and provincial places, whatever. Um, public health is important. I think um, you also see it comes, it also goes alongside minorities. I think um, you see a lot of places that are either minority like significance or places that, you know, you would hope has this same, you know, efforts or, you know, now my brain is bumble, mumble jumbled because of how passionate I am about this. Mm -hmm. But I think public health is important because everyone deserves it and everyone has a right to it and everyone has, should have equal or same level of, you know, responsibilities in the public health field. And right now there are flaws in that system. 
which I, I hope mean, historically there have been, and it, sometimes it's well, not sometimes, a, a lot of the time it was on purpose. Yeah. No, that's 100%. And I think you hear this all the time in America, but people don't realize this is happening to Canadians. This is happening. We can see uh, First Nations and like how the public health system and how it affects them. I think because I see the flaws in the system, I'm very, I would say, attached or I attract, I'm attracted to these flaws because I have somewhat this mentality that, hey, if I pursue it, I could change it. I'm still, I still have that mentality, I would say, and I don't know if this mentality is going to go away, if it's going to grow up. But right now the mentality is, hey, like, you know, I see this flaw, I could change it, like, let me pursue it. And I think that's the goal. I think and like i'm going to consistently be thinking about this but yeah no and COVID has showed us this and i'm hoping that you know people pursue it and realize you know groups and communities may need more help and the public health system is where you're supposed to go forth with this idea of equitable you know health providers or providing health for these communities mm -hmm. and i think public health isn't even it's not limited to what we would think of as traditional healthcare. It's also food equity, food accessibility, housing. Yeah, just no simple basic human needs. Yeah, it's simple basic human needs. And it's sad to say that some people don't have these needs. And well, my field is occupational health and safety, which is also part of public health, but it's also by these private institutions because you would think, oh, this is whatever place this is um amazon but the workers in this amazon factory aren't represented enough or need more representation because the standards that they're working in aren't that great and so as much as they're strangers to whoever but they're everybody's interwindly connected so private institutions have public people that need to be represented and i think I've had, um, unfortunately, a close friend of mine lost their uh, parent to a workplace accident or something in the workplace, and it was quite sudden. So I think um, emotionally, uh, having a sudden loss is in your grade 12 year is a lot, and no matter what age you are, it's a lot. And I saw what that could do to an individual, and I was like, to think that one day this person grabbed a cup of coffee, went to work, and they weren't able to say goodbye to this person because of something that happened at the workplace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something that's gonna leave a mark on you in some way or another. That's just something that will shape who you are and how you think. That's very understandable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I like how you kind of bring up the topic that we're all really interwoven and together because I. I really just don't enjoy the amount of individualistic thinking that some people may tend to have. And I don't think <laughs> it inherently makes them bad people, but I think it just negates the fact that we're all so interconnected and that we're all experiencing life as we know it together. Yeah. No, no, I, I, you're hitting all these things that I'm passionate about, proactivity, and the interwineness is, um, I think people need to gr have or grow 
empathy. I think yeah, just compassion to, for other compassion, people. empathy. Those are such big characteristics, traits that I think we often lose when we when there's because there's so much for us as individuals to do. Like there, you like it's hard not to get caught up in it. Yeah, because you one day you think you could do all of this and for other people and you realize you can't do this if you don't do this for yourself. And that's very true. And as students, we 100% know that because if we want this whatever career, we need to be doing this for ourselves right now. But I think right now, and I will say because everything right now, all my conversations are around like COVID right now, I see people who have who are not being empathetic and compassionate and are being very individualistic and not thinking how strenuous it is for essential workers and their families. And mm -hmm. yeah, and we are all interwindly connected. And I was having this conversation with my friends and my coworkers yesterday, how they thought end of August, 2020, it looked bright. It looked like I know, we were, <laughs> didn't it? It looked like we were having an in-person class for 2020 fall semester, and psh, it went all downhill because people like thinking individualistically and being selfish. But that being said, there are times people need to think for themselves, and I think in the long run there may be you know empathetic actions because of individualistic thoughts and whatever. But I think mm -hmm. there are times and places that you need to stop and think in the long run, who will this affect? How will it affect them? And how many will it affect? And that's a lot to think about. And mm -hmm. I you think know, that's why people don't want to think about it because it's difficult. Yeah. yeah, no, it's too difficult to think about. And in the time we live a busy lifestyle, so we don't even have time to think about this, stop and think about it this. But I think quarantine has showed us that is that you can make time if you really want it. It's a balance. It's entirely a balance because you can't invest your entire life in empathy and in devoting yourself to other people in whatever way that may be. Because if you do that to a very far extent, it's going to become unhealthy and you're going to have no energy left to sustain yourself. But yeah. you can't just also only ever focus on yourself and become so egocentric in that way because then you're also going to be miserable. And then you're also going to be making the people around you miserable on either far end of the spectrum. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's the balance. It's the balance. Because if you live your life trying to please people or being empathetic to other people, you are now living their lives. And like I said, our society is not made up with everybody being empathetic. So there will be you, it's not a give and take for some people. The relationship yeah, is not some give and take. Just take advantage of that. Yes, exactly. And if you're being too individualistic, um, there are quite a few consequences for your actions. And sometimes you got to stop and think. But you know, everything is balance. You got to have some junk food. You got to eat some healthy food. You got to live life. <laughs> exactly. That's actually a really good segue for our next question, which is about community involvement. And you, I know, are very big on that, as you've told me before. What do you think is the importance of community involvement in or outside of Ryerson? Okay, if I was going to talk as a, for people who are listening and who want 
self, not self gain, but there are individual good possible outcomes for community involvement as a Ryerson student. So for my Ryerson students or university students or just students in general, if you are involved in the community, your school community or whatever community, you have that sense of belonging, you have whatever, but you mm -hmm. also have whatever to pad your resume, your what um, your applications to whatever schools, but also applying for those scholarships and awards. You know, that's what I'm going to say, that if you are involved in communities, yes, there are like, you know, passionate outcomes because you're following things that you're passionate about. But there are a lot of resources at Ryerson University to help those who are passionate about fields, who are giving back to the community. And there are a lot of awards and scholarships that you can get because you are a community member in whatever subject or field. So for those students is that if you are a part of a field, you are passionate, why don't you check out what your school offers for community members like yourself? And another reason why I think community is important is that it's that especially you may see these people after whatever, how many years, because they are people who think like you, they're like-minded and like-minded people usually attract one another, if not currently in the near future or in the long run. So why not be strangers? What do you mean that by why not be strangers? Because if you're, okay, so what, what I mean is that strangers aren't bad when, <laughs> Obviously, people are strangers to begin with, but if you have the opportunity to know someone prior to working with them, why not? See, I had this fantastic opportunity to meet Valeria via randomness of choosing to be in Psy Plus. And now, instead of randomly speaking to a podcast host, I am speaking to what I would say a peer of mine. So instead of randomly speaking to someone out of the blue you can make these connections within your community so it's not random relationships so instead of being strangers in at year x you can be strangers a year earlier than x if that makes sense no i kind of get what you mean it's just um increasing your network like kind of you were talking about network is your net worth and I, I, I don't know, I always had an issue with that because I was usually more introverted. Mm -hmm. I've only become more extroverted in the past couple of years, but I, I see the value in that and I understand why you'd say that. Yeah, I would say if you can network right now, yes. Um, I would also argue that saying to an extent is correct and incorrect, especially field-wise, wherever you are, um, that's a conversation in itself but if you can know someone now why not take the opportunity to know them now what is like holding you down from getting to know someone who may be the gateway to whatever passion projects you want to pursue in the near future or whatever professionally you want to pursue in the near future mm. it also brings up a cool conversation about altruism and i've always found it weird how altruism in itself feels good for the person doing it and that might be behind why we do it, and also the benefits that you reap as a result of being altruistic. And so this is this isn't like some 
stupid like philosophical discussion I'm trying to have, but uh, well, maybe it is. But <laughs> I, I always found it really interesting how doing good things for other people will usually make you feel good. And so you keep doing it. So are you really doing it for the other person? And I honestly don't really have the answer yet, but I think it's cool to think about, you know? Yeah, no, no, I, I, I read about these and it's funny that you mentioned that because there's even just simplest things. It's more so why are you doing this? Or when you see what really gets me and what makes me really think is that do you watch those YouTube videos or just clips in general of people doing X thing, which is really, really great, but there is no whatever link to do for other people to do the same thing or no other like push for people to do the similar positive outcome, but just this person doing it. And sometimes mm -hmm. I think to myself, wow, this is amazing. How am I supposed to do this? And obviously I could do my personal research, but why not put this link to this whatever resource that p other people can do this? And sometimes I think, what was this for? Was this just a publicized thing to make yourself feel good or for people to know you're a good person or to confirm mm -hmm. or verify you are a good person, which is not wrong. Sometimes we all need that good pat on the back, but sometimes I think, hey, like, you know, why can't we all be good people? Why can't you help me be a good person? It's weird. It feels kind of performative, almost. Uh, yeah. It's also important to investigate that within ourselves. Like if we're investigate our own intentions and understand why we're doing things, which is also cool to think about. Yeah, no, I think um, everything starts within. And then, you know, you attract people who are similar to you or whatever you exert, whatever vibe or aura you exert, that's the same people that you are probably going to attract. So everything starts within. And then mm -hmm. that's how, what you see is what you get most of the time, hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to wrap up soon, but I wanted to do a few rapid fire questions. First thing, uh, what factoid do my peers know least about me? Okay, this is really random. I haven't had catch up since I was in grade six. <laughs> really random. I just think it's a not the best condiment. Disgust me. Yeah, I don't I don't have catch up. I don't eat catch up with anything. Okay, fair. Uh, what famous person, current or otherwise, would you most like to go to dinner with or why? Could be dead um, or alive. Oh, this is so hard. There's so many people. Oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, oh. Okay. Um, oh. <laughs> this is a really difficult question. Okay, I'm currently into very um, Korean culture right now. So I would say like a Korean boy band like EXO or you know BTS really got it because if I choose a band in itself it's not dinner for one it's like dinner for like eight of us you know uh, we can okay. go to a buffet then more food all right okay cool cool so some so a k-pop band basically a K-pop EXO or BTS those are the people I'm listening to right now nice all right what is your favorite food Oh, this is um, this is good. Um, I would say udon. 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 Oh, yes. Uh, what's your favorite beverage? Water. I I love water. You can change <laughs> the temperature and still enjoy it. No, I love tea or coffee, but that's mm -hmm. also why my teeth are yellowing because I'm having 
like four teas and coffees a day. <laughs> that's basically all home. students. Those are students, like I think coffee and tea, like if when you say coffee, I'm like university student, undergrad student, because oh, I, I drink decaf. I drink okay. decaf coffee. I don't drink caffeinated coffee. Oh, oh I just okay. Like Look at you, yes. But yeah, what what's next? Okay, complete the sentence. If I was not X, I would like to be. If I wasn't... So if you weren't a occupational public health student, I would like to be. If I wasn't an occupational health student, I would actually like to be an Olympian swimmer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know that it was that serious. That's I cool. I would love to pursue competitive swimming, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. I cannot drown, but you know. <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. Look at you. You're already there. Already halfway there. All right. Mm -hmm. What's something in the top 10 of your bucket list? Top 10 bucket list. Mm. See, I always thought bucket lists were such an interesting idea because I, there, whatever I want to do, I usually end up doing. But I would say, mm, I think I would want to move and live in either Iceland or Netherlands for a long duration of time. Yeah, I wanted to move to, what was it, Finland for some reason. I yeah. have no idea. Oh I, just I had a crazy thing with Finland when I was in grade six. Like, I don't know. I thought it was the most amazing, like, you know, place ever. But right now it's Iceland, um, not ne uh, Netherlands, New Zealand. I'm sorry, New yeah. Zealand. I want to go to Australia. I don't know Oh, why. yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. See, like, going, like, I don't want to travel. I'm not that big of a traveling, but I think I would want to go somewhere and stay there for a while. Like, you know, put my roots down, like, live there for five years or something. Oh, that's fun. Well, you could always pursue that if you did some sort of degree in that area, because then you could get a student visa much more yeah. easily. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's a possibility, students. <laughs> All right. Who was or is your favorite role model? Um, I would say my parents. I think that's a lot of our first generation students um, go to be like to think that someone or some people are your parents literally left their whatever country, like whatever, wherever they were living and started a whole new life. It's mind boggling. Yeah, that's that's me with my grandparents. Definitely. Yeah. What is your greatest achievement? My greatest achievement. Oh, my God. Oh. I don't know. I, I feel You're still pretty young, so you have a while to go. I think I have a while to go. I, there's nothing that I was, I'm like, wow, like, good for what me. What am I like, most, most proud of then? What am I most proud of? Because uh, <laughs> that'll probably be synonymous with it. I, I, I would say binge watching shows, but that's... <laughs> Maybe like finishing like a certain show within a day or something. Or like, you know what, I would say being where I am with no, like, you know, as the eldest child. So I would say that like groups everything up because I get to show, you know, be the role model to my younger siblings. But I didn't really have that many, you know, I didn't have an older sibling to be like, go into this thing or take this or be go for this opportunity it was more so I like it. I see it. I'll sign up for it. Yeah, no, I feel the same because I'm also the eldest. Next question, what was your greatest failure? My greatest failure? Okay, I would say I love being at Ryerson. And I don't think if I went back, I would switch 
school like i i am so glad i chose ryerson but i think failure wise is the mindset of limiting my options i also think even though i was like such a great student there were so many smart students in my graduating class my senior class that i cut myself short so all these competitive programs which obviously i had i feel like i had as much you know possibility or like likelihood of getting accepted to i cut myself short because i was scared to fail and i feel like the idea of what ifs or like you know saying i could have gotten into this like i think that's my greatest failure because i should have applied to these canadian competitive university programs which i steered away from because i was scared so your greatest failure is allowing your fear of failure yeah to and I think to an extent yeah i think to an extent that's with a lot of people but i think mm -hmm allowing failure to decide for me ah nice way to put it mm -hmm. next would be what are you most grateful for um right now the roof over my head the food on my table and the ability to have entertainment what concerns you the most how selfish our society can be <laughs> yeah no same yeah what spot in the world would you like to travel to most? Like I said, New Zealand or Iceland or even South Korea. Oh. Okay. Then what is your most productive time of day? Uh, three o'clock to five o'clock in the morning. Oh, okay. <laughs> I usually <laughs> keep my eyes open at that point, but you know what? Yeah, it's, it's cool. Or like four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. is like productivity at its finest. Yeah, no, I have a friend that she sleeps from like four to 11 every night and oh. she gets her shit done. So you know what? I'm the, see, I, I sleep early. So I would sleep from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. What? Oh, that's what you mean. Yeah. So I sleep. I, I'm not those people that stay awake. I sleep. I Even if I have something due, I will sleep from 8 to 4 or 8 to 3, 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. and wake up at 3 a.m. and my day starts at 3 a.m. Oh, God. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's like kind of refreshing and slightly weird because usually yeah. with students, you hear about them pulling all-nighters constantly. Yeah. No, but see... This is good because of those who like, you know, who pursue all nighters, I think it's a fear of not being able to finish. But he, my mentality is like, what if I don't get sleep and that's unhealthy? Yeah, well, because if you're not sleeping, then you're not going to be able to actually do what you need to do to the your best extent. Yeah, so the fear is not sleep. So I make sure I get whatever X amount of hours of sleep. So I'm not like, oh, 5 a.m., let me sleep for two hours. It's more like, oh, I got three hours of sleep already. Mm -hmm. No, I get what you mean. All right, what is your favorite hobby? Um, right now, Netflix. Netflix. I like Netflix, Netflix. TV shows. Then now this is going to be our last question. What mm -hmm. piece of pre-COVID advice would you have given your grade 12 self? Pre-COVID advice for my grade 12 self. Okay, I don't know if I have pre-COVID just for specifically for grade 12, but I would say make time for yourself, especially during now. Um, mm -hmm. There are things like, you know, being fitness. I've gone through a fitness journey throughout this quarantine, but I think you people can make time for themselves. Don't feel guilty to make time for yourself. That's, that's the thing.
Yeah, that's really nice. I, I, I think that's a really good sentiment. I think, yeah, I think we're about done. Oh, perfect. Oh my gosh. I want to say thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. It was very like, I felt so passionate. (laughs) I could tell from your voice, but it was, it was nice to have you on and it was nice to just sit and listen to somebody talk for a while. Cause usually I, I I'm a bit of a chatterbox. So it was good to kind of turn off my brain and just listen to what you were saying. No, no. I, as you can see, I love talking about things that I'm passionate about. If I'm not passionate about it, you can just, I would mute myself as like some of us do in our lectures, mute myself, hide the camera and just sit and twiddle my thumbs. But I was super passionate. Thank you for asking such passionate questions or questions that I truly am passionate about. And it was amazing to have this conversation or someone to, you know, it's a give and take and being able to reciprocate ideas or with someone i truly enjoyed it all right well i'll probably be speaking to you at some point soon so yes yeah really goodbye but i'll say goodbye for now and again thank you for coming on no problem Uh, thank you and everybody who's listening stay safe yes stay safe stay at home if possible (laughs) say stay happy and um wishing you a happy early new year yes Oh, because we are recording this the 28th. Right, yes, so, we're recording this early. Oh, congratulations on getting through 2020. Yes, pat ourselves on the back. What pat a year. What Honestly, a year. what a year. But okay, hopefully 2021 is better, but I'm not going to say anything because everybody can. Yeah, it, to each their own. But yeah, wow, we're done 2020 and uh, mind boggled. Yeah. Well, Uh, I guess we'll finally end it here, but have a nice day. And thank you for speaking with me. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one.